With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Around the Coin. My name is Faisal Khan. With hundreds, if not thousands, of ICOs that are happening, uh, most of them are challenging the status quo and the problems being faced in the banking and payments today. I recently had a chance to sit down with the COO of Everex, Evgeny Mitkov, who took time out to explain what their company does. Full disclosure, I am an advisor to Everex. A few announcements. Uh, If you're going to be attending the Money 2020 Asia, which is happening in Singapore on the 13th, 14th and 15th of March, for the very first time, do come and say hello. I will be there. The International Money Transfer Conferences, or IMTC, has some announcements. IMTC Sao Paulo is happening in Brazil from the 21st to 23rd of March. The Remtech Awards are being held in Kuala Lumpur from May 8th to 10th. And the IMTC EMEA, which is being held in Brussels this year, will be on 16th through the 18th of May. I'll be at the IMTC EMEA in Brussels, so if you're attending, come and say hello. And lastly, if you happen to be in Mexico City, the FinTech Payments and Banking Technologies for the Mexican Financial Sector Conference is happening from the 16th and 17th of May, as hosted by the U.S. Department of Commerce. This podcast has been made possible by the support for Terminos. Terminos is the top-tier core banking software provider to 41 of the 50 financial institutions worldwide. Terminos has been guiding financial institutions towards their digital future for more than 20 years. You can learn more about them from Terminos.com. That's T-E-M-E-N-O-S.com. Also, a shout-out to Stellar. Move money across borders quickly, reliably, and for a fraction of a penny. Stellar is a platform that connects banks, payment systems, and people. Integrate to move money quickly, reliably, at almost no cost. For more information, visit Stellar.org. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R dot O-R-G. For full legal disclosure regarding this podcast, please review the message at the end of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Evgeny, for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak with you at this uh, great uh, venue. Okay, so for a person who's never heard about Everix, what is Everix all about? What do you guys do? Uh, explain it to us. Explain it to us like you've never heard about you before. Well, in the communications world, we used to pay $5 a minute to pretty much in any country in the world. Now we use uh, any slew of um, app chat apps that are virtually free 
to uh, communicate and we want to basically achieve the same in the payments world. There's no reason why anybody should be paying uh, 10% of their salary or uh, of, in worst cases, 20% of their salary to send money to their loved ones across the globe. Uh, it is an email message or it's a, it's an electronic message um, that could be delivered virtually for free over a blockchain network. And Everex basically takes the blockchain to a new level of security um, distribution and um, partnerships with local venues to in enable uh, individuals or companies to virtually send money across borders instantaneously and um, know that they are not losing 10% of it. In fact, they're sending it for free. But, you know, it that 10% that number has been beaten down and drummed down. It's not really 10%, right? I mean, more or less, it's like 2%, 3%, 4%. But I get it. I mean, the 10% market is cited for, yes, there are certain countries in Africa, if you were to send money, 10% of your income might go. Or if you were to send a very low amount, a very small amount, 10% may be, uh, it may be a sizable percentage. Yeah, that's exactly where it hurts the most, on the small amounts. Uh, and... Specifically, the, the banking world uh, f doesn't want to deal with these small payments because they're real pain, and that's why they price them out like as such. Um, I recently had an amazing conversation with the um, UN uh, retirement program, which, needless to say, sends retirement payments yes. to every country in the world, and uh, amongst them, every African country. It is amazing where they'll send a $300 payment and $40 of that would basically be bank fees. And for that poor retiree, basically, who's expecting $300, they get $260 every single month. Uh, so it's not 10%, you're right. In this particular case, it's looking a lot more like 12 um, So uh, it is, um, it, it's still a very painful uh in, in a number of, of markets, and especially for people that don't have bank accounts, it becomes even a uh, bigger issue. Uh, when you use blockchain payments, as Everex uh, does, we can uh, bank anybody that has a phone, and anybody, whether they have a bank account or not, uh, can use the service. So what do you mean by blockchain payments? So first of all, are you, uh, I mean, uh, you know, are you a working company? Is this product up and running? Is it in the? Is it in development? Where? What stage are you at right now? We're production at this point. We ran a number of uh, proof of concepts and uh, a pilot between uh, Myanmar and um, Thailand for, for uh, guest workers in Thailand sending home uh, money to Burma which was incredibly successful. And um, we um, all the proof of that project is available on the Ethereum blockchain with um, all the transactions and the um, payments that uh, were conducted over the Ethereum blockchain. We, um, at this point, in conversations with over 20 different uh, markets to effectively enable our service uh, in those uh, locales. Obviously, we are uh, at, when you do a proof of concept or run um, trials, uh, you can do do those in a sandbox environment without uh, a license, and um, the regulators are more than happy to see us evolve. Now that we're talking about the real 
transactions and and servicing uh, real businesses with uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in payments. We are obviously um, going through the licensing processes uh, in in these uh, jurisdictions. We're going through the uh, partnerships to make sure that we have the entire channel worked out from uh, the sending country to the receiving country and so forth. And uh, that is uh, uh, a significant uh, effort that, of course, once uh, all of these start to um, work will be a avalanche coming down the mountain if you wish in terms of payments that are starting to flow through the network uh, sort of in passing I mentioned uh, we are we did our trial on ethereum it is the blockchain that uh, we've chosen at the moment to run on being a public blockchain with uh, amazing distribution globally and uh, significant uptake by uh, everybody out there and of course uh, tried and tested in the real world with hacks, with um, lots of usage, lots of transactions, uh, which make us comfortable uh, using it with the additional layer of security that we put on top of the Ethereum blockchain. Where are you guys based out of? We actually are starting to look uh, very well distributed uh, just the way uh, the blockchains are. Uh, we have... Um, uh, an office in uh, Switzerland uh, with a well, marketing director there. Uh, I myself uh, operate between Europe and, and Asia. Uh, and uh, we have a development office in Thailand, uh, sales and uh, support office, um, two, two, actually two different offices in Thailand. One is a, a purely development and the second one is a sales support and operations um, team. Uh, we've actually grown quite a bit uh, in the Thai office and now we're growing in uh, in Europe and we're on, on the verge of um, executing a transaction that will add significant resources as well uh, in the European market uh, at the moment. How are you different from Stellar or Ripple or all the other or Bitcoin itself? Those are also payment networks. They seem to be claiming or doing pretty much the same thing what you were doing, small payments, instant payments all across the world. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, there, uh, there's a many different ways uh, you can skin this cat, and uh, certainly there is room for uh, multiple solutions. And certainly the world itself requires multiple solutions because if it's just one, um, the world wouldn't like it when that one fails uh, at, at a particular point in time. And believe me, every system fails at one point or another. Um, I've been in the trading world for over 20 years and um, if there's one thing that keeps you humble is those moments when when the systems just for no explicable reasons go down and of course there's always a reason eventually that you find out but um, they're very complex systems and they always go down so um, there will be a need for multiple different systems with different approaches for different people Ripple has focused extensively on the banking world, and effectively, uh, you need to have a bank account uh, to use the uh, Ripple network. And, uh, of course, if they partner up with somebody that does have bank account, and that somebody can become conduit to payments, but um, it's not the type of platform you would use for uh, complete peer-to-peer -peer 
peer-to-peer payments, one individual sending money to another individual across the globe. Um, or the, uh, for the same um, matter, one company sending uh, money to another company across the globe on a distributed platform. Uh, the Ripple network is entirely closed. It, I wouldn't call it a blockchain for that matter. It would, it would be more of a uh, replicated database, if you wish. And um, it's basically a uh, modification of the SWIFT system that currently operates. And they're basically looking to become a competitor of SWIFT, which is an interbank uh, payments um, uh, messaging system. The Stellar network uh, is built on the same foundation as Ripple. In fact, it's a very similar source code. And uh, as such, they also have the same limitation that you basically have to stay inside the Stellar network, uh, otherwise uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to operate. Whereas uh, it's sort of like a private blockchain still run by Stellar itself. Whereas um, the approach we have taken is use a public blockchain like Ethereum, which obviously is not run or dependent on us in any shape or form and it's a blockchain that trans uh, that transfers all sorts of other transactions and as such uh, is tested and uh, tried and tested every day uh, i would venture to say that especially in this case of stellar there's um they're still very much in the beta testing uh of, of their blockchain itself and there isn't anything in a way of concrete real transactions going through the uh, through the network the way obviously ethereum does uh, does transactions that being said um, ethereum uh, is not a payments platform it is the blockchain it's a generic blockchain it's an operating system if you wish on which you have to write applications on top that use that operating system whereas stella uh, has done something more akin to uh, the iphone where they took the operating system added on top the the payment network and then bundled it all together in one centralized uh, system that's run by Stellar. Uh, in in the case of uh, Everex, we our, our the underlying network Ethereum is completely distributed, not dependent on us, not dependent uh, on our success or failure. And the tokens that are being passed on that platform though are subject to our additional uh, applications and additional uh, coding that we've done in the smart co contract that make them significantly more secure and um, provide the payments mechanisms that uh, are needed for a payment network that obviously on a generic level, uh, Ethereum does not possess. And of course, when you have a um, um, platform like Ethereum uh, that is used by a number of other um, users for anything from games to uh, ICOs, the, um, there are times when the, the platform does get very busy and processing times have become slowed down. What's interesting is, and, and that's one of the areas that uh, a lot of people get scared about, the theorem is like, oh, this thing could be very slow. Uh, even though it could be slow, we've actually haven't seen uh, an issue with that. First of all, uh, when we do, um, we're still in the very early stages of payment, so we're not processing hundreds of uh, thousands of transactions per second yet. So there's time for our volumes to grow, and there's time for Ethereum to smarten up about how they handle uh, volume of transactions. And, and they have four different tricks up their sleeves that are making the platform significantly some, uh, faster this summer. 
Um, so in a way, the, the biggest difference between um, us and the prevalent payment uh, systems out there that even though they uh, claim to be blockchain, they're very much centralized in the provider that uh, is uh, at the center of that payment network, whether that's Ripple or Stella. And if for some reason they go out of business, the entire network goes out of business. Whereas the way Everex operates, um, we can go out of business at any second, not that uh, we're obviously uh, contemplating that, but the network will, maintain, will, will continue to operate by the miners that run Ethereum. And uh, more importantly, the payments that are in it can stay there indefinitely, just the way ICOs are uh, at the moment. So in our um, approach, there's a lot more resiliency and um, no centralization on Everex. As, as, um, um, we, our job is done at the uh, development level when we developed the payment network on top of Ethereum and when we create the smart contracts that represent the payments. But once these are released into the wild, there's um, there's no dependency on Everex for the success of those payments. It's very interesting because Everex uh, completed its uh, ICO last year. I guess you guys raised twenty, was it three twenty six million dollars or something? Uh, yep, at that that, point. definitely. And so you have the EVX or the Everex token. What does that do? Is that not the money that you will be using similar to how XRP or XLM is being used uh, today on the Ripple or Stellar networks respectively? Uh, yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's a utility coin that uh, people will uh, start utilizing as uh, more and more services are added uh, on our network, whether that's um, for payments, whether, um, of course, when you cash out, uh, one of the, our uh, main focus is to stay electronic as much as possible. So when payments are uh, made around the globe, we encourage people to continue making electronic payments as opposed to taking uh, a payment they received and going into an outlet and cashing out in cash, which they then start spending. And of course, uh, that last uh, mile or kilometer of cashing out to cash um, is an expensive proposition. So uh, that those types of services uh, you'd be able to pay with uh, EVX uh, at a significant discount. And of course, um, when um, the lending part of the platform starts to operate, uh, you would see significant advantages in using um, EVX compared to the um, uh, non-EVX um, payment methods. It's, um, EVX effectively is your store card that gives you discounts and uh, loyalty points for using the platform and uh, encourages you to stay within the network if you wish. But uh, you also have, you know, this, I mean, I'm trying to understand how, how different is EVX from what you are trying? You also told me that you have something called the e-fiat, you know, the e-dollar or the mm -hmm. euro and so forth. How does that, and, and maybe you want to explain that a little, how that would come into your network? That's the probably the biggest difference between us and Bitcoin itself. Now, uh, of course, for the past um, nine years, uh, people have successfully made payments with Bitcoin, um, the, the, especially the Asia to 
other continents trade. Uh, we've seen people buy Bitcoins in uh, one continent, get on a plane, deliver them in a different continent. And of course, that is payments. Um, the challenge, obviously, with Bitcoin is that at any point in time, you can have a 10%, 20% uh, down day. Uh, and um, by the time you're, you land on the other end uh, of your trip, you could see 10% of your asset disappear uh, or appreciate, which is obviously uh, not something somebody would complain about. The, uh, and that makes Bitcoin a bit difficult to be really uh, a currency. It's more akin to a uh, store value or investment the way gold is. Uh, so, and you see that from uh, the behavior of, um, of Bitcoin. Usually, Bitcoin goes uh, through the roof when uh, an economy is um, failing. In fact, I would venture to say that the run-up in 2017 was uh, started by Zimbabwe. At, uh, at some point, uh, when Bitcoin was trading at about $2,000, Zimbabwe was having uh, yet another dollar liquidity uh, crisis, and Bitcoin shot to 5,600 when the rest of the world was trading at $2,000. So when people around the world saw the holy smokes, if uh, Bitcoin can trade at 5,600 in Zimbabwe, it could surely trade that somewhere else as well if, uh, if we have a liquidity crisis. And very quickly, the... World prices uh, caught up with the Zimbabwean prices. So, uh, in a way, uh, when crisis hit, people look for safe haven to park their savings so they don't disappear, uh, which has usually been the um, biggest problem with fiat currencies. Because usually, when there's a crisis, a government starts printing uh, as as much as they could to. Or it's too uh, late to take your money out, or not easy oh, to take too your late. money out. Exactly, exactly. And um, as such, so Bit, uh, Bitcoin will serve the, uh, serves that purpose of preserving uh, savings per- potentially in uh, crisis times, but as a regular payment um, that uh, you, you would want to use uh, for uh, sending $100 across the globe, uh, it would be, a, first of all, very expensive undertaking, and second of all, with a lot of currency risk. Because uh, all you care about is uh, maybe making, a, uh, and, and this is actually a serious challenge, even within the banking world. If you need to make a specific payment, let's say $125 uh, in the US for something that you want to buy on the internet, uh, or that um, that you want to send a family member that amount. The the usual problem is by the time fees are added to to that transaction, it's never 125 that arrives on the other end. So yeah, you sometimes never, it's even sure. it's, it's so difficult to even calculate what will arrive mm-hmm. on the other end. In fact, for the oh, majority, yeah, for the majority of the world, this is still a black hole. No one knows. It's what a complete arise. black no hole. No one knows. Yes. Even even the big uh, Fortune 500 companies, which run their own banks, they still have that problem. Because at the end of the day, when the money is sent, the receiving institution is going to throw some fees. And those fees might be dependent on the type of account that the money arrives in. So there's no way you can predict that. For one type of customer, banks might charge 
incoming wire transfer money uh, uh, fee. And for others, they might may not. So how does a corporate that is making payments to certain accounts would know what kind of fee structure that that account has? There's no way, right? So uh, from that perspective, so, so coming, so coming back to your your to your e fiat, how how is your e fiat? Is it, is it different from let's say USD tethered or what what is it? There is there is a similarities to it. The the biggest difference is it's hundred percent back. What we do is partner with financial institutions that are licensed, um, whether that's a bank or financial houses, uh, depending on, on the jurisdictions. And we literally create an equivalent of an existing cash uh, that is already in escrow somewhere in a bank account. Effectively, anybody that um, buys the tokens that are created as a result of that uh, process has a claim on the physical asset that's sitting somewhere. And everything is 100% um, backed by a physical asset that is liquid, um, basically the same currency existing in a bank account, auditable by a third-party independent um, financially regulated entity. And, and is it uh, visible on the blockchain by any chance? What of course. Just like an ICO, you can see the entire supply of um, of tokens, and you can see the transactions that are taking place. And of course, um, the where we create the bridge between the old world and the new world is that financial institution that helps with the electronification of the cash. Um, you have to trust them as a third party that they say yes, this money exists here on escrow. And when you want to cash out some of those tokens that are issued as a result of that, uh, you go to that institution and you cash out uh, for the uh, real asset, which could be wired into another bank account or made a payment and so forth. So the big difference uh, with us is when somebody, an individual, takes, uh, let's say, $100 or uh, 100 Kenyan shillings, they are and they're sending it across the world. The receiving party gets a hundred, not a penny less, not a penny more, and you know for certain that the uh, that payment uh, is uh, when you look at your wallet, it's like ah, that's the payment I, I expected, and it's here. Uh, so what's interestingly the catch? enough, uh, well, if you stay electronic, there's no catch. Um, well, surely there has it, to be. So, so how, how do you make money then? Uh, of course, there's uh, currency transactions. Uh, if you're uh, sending the money in one currency and expecting the money to arrive in a different currency, there's currency transaction, uh, currency conversion transactions that uh, we will conduct. Then, of course, uh, those will be profitable for us. On the uh, cash out but, side, uh, if oh, hold you on, hold on, I gotta ask this question: Profitable is one thing. Will it be competitive for the person using it or the business using it? Of course, if you look at um, the absolutely cheapest, you can get uh, a payment at the moment uh, from, especially intercontinentally, uh, it's probably about ten dollars, regardless of the amount. Now, obviously, if you're sending a hundred bucks, it's going to be ten percent. If you're sending a thousand dollars, then it's looking a little bit uh, better. But for small payments, it's really painful. Uh, for us, if you send that across, 
the actual sending uh, is virtually free, uh, if you cash, decide to cash it out at an outlet, uh, you would probably lose, depending on the locations, between um, 1% and 2% of the amount, not a flat fee. So if you're doing uh, $100, it'll be $1 or $2 fee. So uh, it would be significantly uh, 5 to 10 times more in um, uh, competitive than uh, anything in, in existence. And, of course, that is dictated by the current cost structure of uh, the Ethereum mining um, processes. If the mining costs redu uh, are, is, are reduced significantly, needless to say, we'll pass those savings to the end users as well. And they will be, because Ethereum is going to go from uh, proof-of-work to proof-of-stake uh, later Absolutely. this year. Absolutely, which is one of the big tricks they have up their sleeve for addressing uh, the throughput and um, uh, scalability of, of the platform. So let me ask you two difficult questions. First, everyone keeps claiming that this is the, uh, you know, the, the problem of the century that they're trying to solve, to make payments cheaper. We've heard about it, but we haven't seen traction. What makes you so different that you will get traction, that you will actually get people getting to use it? Are you going to be uh, consumer facing, or are you going to be B two B on the first uh, uh, in in the first phase? We are both actually. Uh, consumer will face the Everex wallet, but will probably face it through a local partner of ours that provides the licensing and the local operational support for accepting cash, um, having a, a retail outlet, and so forth. What um, gives me significant hope in, in this endeavor is that I'm not competing with anybody big, small in what we're doing. When we try to m make small payments, um, whether that's for migrant workers or for companies that themselves, nobody's interested in those small payments. And in fact, when it comes to migrants, who majority of uh, which don't have uh, even a bank account, um, there is virtually no competition other than the illegal networks and um, potentially Western Union. So we don't have uh, big banks basically uh, angered by what we're doing because they don't even focus on this space. Whereas what Stella or um, Ripple are trying to do, unless they do it with the banks, they're going to have a very difficult uh, times pulling off anything uh, in, in that space. So, what makes me comfortable is the fact that I'm servicing a niche that's basically ignored by everybody else. And it's the niche that um, is very difficult to uh, make work with traditional technology where there's humans involved, there's um, significant um, number of intermediaries involved. And of course, for a small payment, it becomes way too expensive. But when you electronify the entire pr process, and you virtually uh, have this running on, on Ethereum, um, we can make those payments extremely competitive compared to the existing system and without a bank account, which how is do you, how do you impressive. How do you fight the banks? Uh, not, in the, not in the negative term, but let's say 
banks decide to do this. A bank or large consortium of banks decide to launch the Everex token equivalent, the Everex model equivalent, and say, okay, we are going to issue EUSD, E-Euros, and E-JPY, you know, and trade it all across our network so that we can do micropayments. Where does that leave you then? Um, I'll be happy to know if, if they do it. Uh, it would certainly save me a step that at the moment is taking a very long time to uh, to produce. Uh, I'll, I'll happily use that cash that they create. Um, where it leaves me still in operating with the 2 billion people that nobody banks at the moment. Um, and that's that's a huge market to explore, one quarter of the world population. And we don't see any of the efforts out there focusing on that group of people. Uh, yes, uh, if banks decide to go into micropayments and they decide to, um, is it inevitable? Isn't it inevitable? It's inevitable potentially. I don't know if uh, any bank is focusing on that at the moment, uh, but I, I don't see any of them being focused on the on the micropayments. Um, but if it's if it become if everything else becomes so. Uh, unprofitable for the banks yeah they, they may turn their eye to something that they've never explored um that being said um banks are shrinking they're not in the business of expanding they've been shrinking for the past 10 years and um getting into micropayments will require expansion uh which none nobody in the banking world is uh ready to take those risks one of the biggest uh helpers in this space is Ever since the financial crisis, uh, basically the modus operandi at the banks have been: don't take any risk because uh, if you if it doesn't work out, you'll get fired, and there's no no other banking job out there for you as an individual. So the individuals that work inside the banks simply do not take any career risk, and if the if if the employees don't take any risk, guess what? The bank is not taking any risks. And that's basically been the, the biggest um, help for uh, for us. And that's why we don't see the banks at all competing in our space. Um, what we do is considered very risky for a bank. And um, they, you know, nobody inside the bank as an individual would make that personal bet of saying, hey, I'll bet my career of uh, going after the African continent where we don't have a single branch or going after the Myanmar uh, market where there isn't a single uh, bank, uh, Western bank. And if it doesn't pan out, I'll be happy to leave my $400,000 a month uh, uh, job, if you wish, and uh, join the rest of the bankers that are unemployed as a result of the financial crisis. No, basically every... (laughs) Everybody in the banks is staying with the status quo um, and, you know, just you know, collecting you, a you, paycheck. You, you open up a new avenue. You open up a new field where they can make trillions of dollars. Yes, the banks are going to step in. I think it would oh, be foolhardy yes. to assume that they will not, right? No, and uh, I, I foolhardily expect after we pave the way and reduce um, the risks involved in um, making this business work, uh, that they will uh, join, and, and I'm talking to a number of banks uh, to potentially be partners in this. Where, um, you know, on paper, they they don't wear much 
much risk other than helping us with uh, with tokenization, if you wish. The um, so that's not uh, to say that uh, there's no room for them to uh, to be part of this. Uh, this is this is a huge market, three hundred trillion dollars in payments a year. Um, I have no pretense that uh, I'll be the only one in it. The uh, the key is to be the first and have the most experience. That uh, so you can be most flexible in. Um, rolling with the punches as they come along and by being in the fight and being there um, we gain massive uh, experience that the people that are sitting on the sidelines at the moment just don't have so in 2018 what can we expect i think we'll start uh, seeing a number of markets uh, including with um, central bank participation that are issuing local uh, e-fiat uh, tokens and that these e-fiat tokens are used for micropayments. This is another great um, reason why we are seeing success on the horizon. If you're a central bank and you obviously are thinking blockchain, you're thinking being able to uh, issue uh, your own uh, crypto equivalent of the of like the national Turkey's currency, like Turkey's thinking, like Russia made the announcement and then withdrew. But there's one little catch in this. This is a very new technology. You're a central bank. You're supposed to be the stalwart of the economy, and if you make one wrong technological move and something blows up in your face, the way Dow blew up in the early days of Ethereum. Your reputation as a central bank is gone. Nobody will trust you. <laughs> this got, and it's kind of difficult to start up another central bank inside a country. So by that measure, central banks are some of the most conservative folks on the planet. So how does that work with Everex? Well, Everex is a startup that's making all of that stuff work. And if a central bank partners with Everex to do that, um, if something, and, and uh, there's always issues and there are always um, teething problems when you start with something new. But when when the rocky times arrive, it is the startup that's experimenting with this and it's considered to be a proof of concept and there's no reputational damage to the central bank. And that's how we're working with a number of central banks at the moment as basically their partner in experimentation of this brave new world. And of course, the payments will be real, but they're under the auspices of Everex as opposed to under the auspices of the central bank. And if and the, and the way the central bank is thinking, well, there's no reputational risk for us in that partnership. It makes me think like you're almost saying that you are the underdog or the underdog horse to bet on in this race, in this derby, and that you will come out in the front. I wish you good luck on that, you know, Evgeny, but, you know, it is a very tough market out there, but I don't know how many coins out there and how many coins are reevaluating their business model or restructuring their business model to come into payments because everything else they had thought of was perhaps a little bit more difficult. 
I feel that very few and payments are the most difficult, actually. <laughs> so it that's, is. that's really well, well payments and identity. I would say right. So identity is also very difficult. Uh, but uh, yeah. tell me about partnerships. Have you done any partnerships with the uh, other coin companies or token companies or other existing fiat networks that are already out there? Uh, certainly, that's what we've been doing for the past. Um, uh, six uh, to nine months, uh, nothing but um, lining up all the stars and uh, to create uh, custom, uh, constellations, if you wish. So if for those who are listening out there, who are the type of partners or clients or businesses that you would like to get in touch with? Uh, certainly uh, the um, innovative banks that uh, and uh, financially regulated entities in different jurisdictions that uh, are seeing this world change and they want to be in the driving seat as opposed to in the bystander seat. Uh, so we of uh, the types of people we currently engage in are indeed uh, banks. Uh, telecoms, interestingly enough, the, the telecom market is starting to get saturated across the globe. You know, there are only that many people you can sell a smartphone too and give them a, a mobile data plan and at this point you know in some markets the people that needed that already got it and for the telecom uh is starting to scratch their head like what else can i do with my customer base and payments is a very lucrative area because they have the uh, central locations uh, in most um countries in terms of retail outlets they have they handle a lot of cash um people uh, uh pay their bills and so forth so adding a payment um service to their existing customer base is a complete no-brainer so uh, we're talking to a number of uh, telecoms to enable them to uh, offer uh, a payment service as well and again um sort of to illustrate um, the um, answer I gave you to a previous question, uh, the consumer would face the uh, potentially an EverX wallet or a white label version of, of EverX wallet, but it's done through a partnership with a, a local telecom. The other um, types of uh, partners that we've been looking for, of course, central banks, uh, sovereign wealth funds, um, or other asset managers in general, whether that's pension funds uh, or hedge funds or um, um, institutional money managers that already have idle cash in some form. In fact, uh, even the most um, risk-taking uh, portfolios call for a single-digit uh, cash portfolio, if you wish. Well, that cash portfolio I can take and potentially lend out on a micro uh, basis to people that never had access to credit and uh, enable them to make miracles, which address a number of social um, policies that these, these investors are starting to put in place. Uh, every, every major institution is now thinking about um, social investments as well as financial investments. So we can uh, address that uh, need of theirs and at the same time um, give them a, a very good return by utilizing some of the cash they have on the books and um, electronifying it and letting the 
the world use it for payments for uh, facilitation of transactions. Evgeny Mitkov, COO of Everix, thank you very much for your time. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, certainly our website, everix.io. Uh, or info at everx.io. Uh, our phone numbers and everything is listed on the website. Happy to see them um, download our wallet from the uh, Play Store and soon from the um, Apple uh, App Store as well. Interestingly oh, enough, um, because of the type of customers we've been uh, going after, migrant workers and micropayments, the majority of those tend to use the Android platform. So as a result... Um, there hasn't been that much of a demand for the uh, iPhone um, app, but we're developing in, uh, that in parallel and uh, will soon be available in the uh, app- Apple uh, store as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate you taking the time out and talking to us. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity as well, and uh, I wish you a great day as well. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the hosts, co-hosts, and guests appearing on the show and do not necessarily reflect the view of the owners and producers of the show. Paid advertisements in form of audio announcements may appear throughout the show, including this one. Advertising can also include print and other digital formats. The owners and producers of Around the Coin do not endorse or evaluate the advertised product, service, or company, nor any of the claims made by the advertisement. All programs are subject to a one-time charge for professional editing fees, for which the interviewing guest or guests may have contributed towards. The owners, producers, hosts, co-hosts, and guests on the show are not financial advisors. Any investment advice or opinion cited during the show is for information purposes only. None of the content is intended to be investment advice. Seek a duly licensed professional for investment advice. If you believe there's been any violation of your copyright, trademark, service mark, or any other type of intellectual property, please inform us in writing by sending an email to legal at aroundthecoin.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.